Fireball came out of absolutely nowhere, and then it became something that was behind every bar. I had never heard of it, and within a month, I didn't know a person that didn't drink it. It was that quick. I remember a vendor coming in, wanting to put it on the bar. We put it on the bar, and there's this explosion. Dr. McGillicuddy's Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey was introduced in the mid-1980s in Canada as part of Seagram's line of flavored schnapps. The face of the brand was Aloysius Percival McGillicuddy, a fictitious, famous physician, sometimes called the Shot Doctor. The drink took off for a hot second in Canada, but didn't go anywhere in the U.S. At least, not until Sazerac which bought the brand in 1989, changed the name to Just Fireball, cut its association with the doctor, and most importantly, a couple decades later, found a 25-year-old actor who would revitalize the brand and make it one of the fastest growing in the spirits industry. That guy was Richard Palms. Richard was working at a community theater he helped start in New Orleans when Sazerac reached out to him to hear his ideas for the brand. They found him online where he'd started making a name for himself because of his social media prowess. It was 2010 when using social media for business purposes was just starting to be a thing. A marketing firm hired Richard to be Fireball's first national brand ambassador. He created Fireball's social media image, reached out to the brand's fans, and most importantly, started traveling to proselytize the masses. He traveled the country from bar to bar, buying shots for everyone who would take them. Fireball became one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing, big spirit brands of the past decade. It became a must-have spirit for bars and a must-do shot for young people looking to have a big night out. Sales surpassed Jameson Irish Whiskey and Patron Tequila. And now, Richard's trying to do it again but this time without the backing of a big company and with his own product, ghost pepper-infused tequila. I'm Jenny Kaplan. And I'm Lindsay Rupp. This week on Material World, we're going to see if Richard can make lightning strike twice. We want to look at how the things you drink get behind the bar and how products become viral. Can the tactics Richard used for Fireball make ghost tequila the next big thing? Jenny and one of our producers, Liz, headed up to Boston to follow Richard and his co-founder Chris Moran around to see a day in the life of a startup brand hoping to hit it big. Before we set off for a very busy day, I asked Richard and Chris to tell me their stories and how ghost tequila was born. Back in 2010, I was working in Los Angeles. I was doing consulting and I hated my job and one day I decided to quit. I knew some guys opening a tequila bar in Boston and moved back and started bartending at this bar. And I had 100 tequilas behind me on the wall and nobody wanted to drink them yet. So I was like, what can I do with tequila that makes it a little bit more user friendly? And that was kind of the idea behind like the peppers. So I started working with peppers and ended up making this shot and cocktail that started catching on around town. Other bars were making it, people were coming by just to this shot before they're going out. And I was like, there's gotta be a way to capitalize on this. Meanwhile, Richard formed himself into a spirits marketing expert, but he didn't start off with any experience at all. I kind of taught myself the ins and outs of marketing. I went to school for, for theater, so I didn't have a marketing background. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, um, but just kind of fumbled through 
learning how to you know send out email marketing and write copy and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so and at the same time, waiting tables and and bartending. Still, his ideas for Fireball scored him a job. And I was like, uh, I have no advertising experience, no real advertising experience, um, no liquor industry experience. Are you sure? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, let's do it. So my job started out as mostly just doing social media. What started as a social media blitz turned into something more. It was social media at first, and then we started seeing these pockets of sales pop up in these different cities. And, um, you know, it would be like, well, I guess we should go to these cities. One of the guys that I worked with um, said, well, let's uh, let's go to the city and, and see what works and see how we can, um, you know, create more growth in these cities where the brand is already doing well. And so it just became bar hopping. We just got a credit card and bar hopped throughout the different cities like Nashville and Austin and San Diego. Uh, and it just became... Hardcore relationship building. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, you know, it was kind of like 50% just my intuition uh, and 50% just kind of um, rolling with the punches. You know, it's like, okay, this is working. Let's keep doing it. So bar hopping and buying people shots, we realized was just really effective and building relationships. And, um, you know, we I would tweet out, hey, I'm going to be in Austin next week. Who wants to meet up? And then like 10 strangers would just show up at this bar where I said I was going to be. The bar hopping changed the game for the brand. Taking a fireball shot became an experience, something worthy of an Instagram. So this this model kept growing, and the first time I tweeted out, we had a few people, and then, then it became like 15, 20, 30, 35, and the, these bar hops became unmanageable. So it just, these things just kept getting bigger and bigger. And Austin especially, I would go into these bars where at first they were like, we will never carry this stuff. Get out, it's cinnamon, it's disgusting. Like, no way. And then I would come back, you know, like three months later and they'd be like, Richard, it's the fireball guy, let's party. Chris had found an industry insider with his partner, David Gordon, but he needed someone with serious marketing prowess. He saw a Business Week story about Richard and his experience with fireball and decided Richard was the man for the job. He gave him a call, flew Richard up to Boston, and Richard signed on to Ghost Tequila, this time as a co-founder. Richard's experience was helpful for Ghost, but you can only buy shots for everyone at a bar if the bar actually carries the product. In the U.S., alcohol is a three-tiered system. The producer sells to a distributor that sells to the bar or store that then sells to the consumer. That can be really tough for small alcohol brands. This is not a knock to distributors because they have a lot of products and so they have a lot of stuff to do. But in a way, when you're a small brand, you kind of have to cut them out of the equation sometimes. You have to say, okay, you have uh, 100 other brands to to push, so you're not going to worry about us because we're small. Well, we're going to go do the sales ourselves. We're just going to go around you and go hit the bars and we're going to get the bartenders and the bar managers pumped for it and then they'll put the order in. Because if we wait for the reps to do it, they're not going to get to it right now. It's like chicken or the egg. Do we help ourselves get big and then the reps will get behind it? Or do we hope the reps get behind it and then we get big? You know, And, and that's what's tough. And I think that's, what, that's the tough part that a lot of uh, startup liquor companies can't wrap their brain around. They don't realize they have to go pound the pavement and do it themselves. The sales process is not always easy. Bars get hit up by new brands all the time. So Chris and Richard are fighting an uphill battle. It 
I mean, in a way, it is unorganized because we wake up in the morning and we go, okay, here's six bars we want to hit today. We get in the car and we drive around. And two of them, three of them, we may not get a contact. Two of them, we might make a sale. One of them, I mean, it's traditional sales. But I mean, in a way, it's like we just wake up, we look at a list of bars and go, okay, we like look at a Google map and go, here's a neighborhood, let's walk around. According to Richard and Chris, the key for making a product spread is infiltrating the right markets and getting the right influencers on board. You know, there's there's a formula we like to to talk about where you, you look at markets and and the like the kind of unicorn or the you know the the golden goose of liquor markets is like there's a college presence there's a strong service industry presence there's usually some kind of arts or live music scene that always really helps too because people have some kind of activity to go out to that kind of you know causes them to want to go out and drink. Um, and then also a high density of bars. When you look at areas like Southie in Boston or the Magazine Street area in New Orleans or 2nd and Broadway in Nashville, Rainy Street in Austin, if you have these pockets where there's a high density of bars, people are more willing to bar hop. And there's also this community where bartenders get off of work at this bar and then they go drink at this bar. And so what that does is it allows the product to spread organically. So when we're looking at these markets, that's what we tend to look for. But after those specific markets, Richard has ambitious plans for geographic growth. I always like to say, I'm going to go to every bar in the country, shake every bartender's hand in the country, and personally build those relationships with them. For bars, sales depend on that personal relationship. They've been burned before by salespeople who make promises they don't keep. One of the very appealing things to bars is the idea that we're going to come back in and help move the product because a lot of reps or distributors will sell the product and then they're done. They, they leave. And what happens for bars is there's a product, the rep comes in and they're like, this is the hot new thing. It's awesome. It's super trendy. It's really exciting. And it's going to move. It's going to do tons of sales. And then that product, we've heard this dozens of times from different bars, the product sits on the shelf for two years and nobody ever drinks it. Because either the bartenders don't like it or the consumer doesn't like it. Nobody knows about it. It's simply there's no brand awareness. And so the guarantee we make to the bars is it's not going to sit on the shelf. Even if you just get two or three bottles, we will make sure it moves. And then if you don't carry the product after that, no harm, no foul. We decided to see the sales process in action. A typical day for Richard and Chris consists of administrative work like fundraising in the morning from about 9 to noon sales calls and checking on customers from 1 to 5 p.m., and then bar hopping from 8 till close. Typically, they go to upwards of five bars a day to sell Ghost or to check in on existing customers. We tagged along to a couple of those sales pitches. Uh, we've been in here before. I had fun in here one night. I'm not from here, but uh, okay. came in here on a busy night. It was, it was fun. Well, the busy nights are. The slow nights, not so much. <laughs> uh, this is my business partner, Chris. How are you doing, man? Pleasure to meet you. So, do you, have you heard of Ghost? I have not heard no. at all. Okay. So, um, it's 100% agave tequila infused with ghost peppers. Okay. Uh, it's a Boston company. The whole thing was born here. I'm a local. Uh, okay. I've bartended here for years. And um, so I was bartending back in, you know, late 2010, early 2011. Yep. Had 100 tequilas behind me on the wall, and nobody really wanted to drink tequila yet. So yep. 
I started screwing around with tequila. I ended up coming up with some kind of cool cocktail. And it started catching on around that day, and other people were making it, and I was like, cool, it's kind of fun. And so I went to the guys at Grand Ten, you know Grand Ten yeah. story. Yep. And Spencer over there is their head distiller. I brought him the cocktail. I was like, I want to turn this into an 80-proof tequila. Okay. So we worked on it for about you know eight months, and finally came up with something. Called this guy because he's quite famous in the liquor world to help us market it. Killed it in Southie. Uh, we're in quite a few places in Back Bay downtown. Our guarantee to bars is that we're going to move the product. We're going to help. We're not going to disappear. The bottom line is we would love to be in here and do something with you guys. Yep. You know. Yeah, I mean for me it's more about what cocktail am I gonna do with it. Okay. Because that's because to me it's gonna be about, you know, it's the bottle price, but it's also what do I envision that working in. Yeah, I mean we just brought on a couple new tequila. Buy two bottles, you come in and do a promo and basically buy them back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because right. then I don't lose. We'll if I spend 40 bucks on two bottles, you guys come in and spend 100 giving away free drinks, yeah. then I made 60 bucks either way. Sweet. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks for stopping in, guys. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. it. It was nice meeting you. That's a taste of what Ghost Tequila's pitch to bars sounds like. We regrouped and met up with Chris and Richard for the evening portion of their work day. It turns out they have a lot of experience in the field. Remember a couple Saturdays ago in New Orleans where we did 21 bars? We did 21 bars in one night in New Orleans. In one night? Uh, From like happy hour to like 4 a.m. Honestly, how did you... You just move fast. Like bar to bar to bar to bar? Yeah, you can't drink at every bar, obviously. And you just have to keep moving like as fast as possible. That is... You spend like like 15 minutes in each bar. What's your all-time record? Probably like 30 when I did Fireball. 21 was my record by far. On this particular evening, though, we weren't seeking to break any records. Guys, sorry to interrupt. We have too many shots. Uh, we bought a bunch, and we're trying to get rid of them. I'm just wondering if you guys want some shots. I'll do one with you guys. Pleasure meeting you guys. What's your name? Richard. Thank you. Richard, such a name. Nice meeting you guys. Thank you. you with the free shots. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for trying it. We went to five bars with the ghost guys to see in person how they get people to try the product. Come on, come on. They got a variety of responses. At the very least, it was a shot to remember. All right, you want one of these? You want one of these? I don't drink tequila. I drink beer only. Okay, he says no, so... What kind of tequila is it? Uh, it's called Ghost. It's 100% agave infused with ghost peppers. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a shot. Oh, well, now you want to try it? Cheers, everybody. All right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Spicy. Yeah. This guy said he doesn't drink tequila, and he said no. I do drink tequila. Uh, I just didn't want one. <laughs> not the first time we've been called it. It's not going to be the last. I hear you. Thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. It was good. On our Boston bar crawl, we also talked to the powers behind the bar to get their take on Ghost. Most brands, especially in Boston, which is still kind of old school in its approach, um, you know, get marketing dollars from for a new product. Sales rep comes in being told, okay, you have to get this in a certain amount of accounts. Taste you at the bar. You pretty much have to make up your mind whether you like it or you don't. When these guys came in, it was there was no... You know, here's our spreadsheet, here's our fancy billboard, you know, when you're stuck in traffic and you're just looking up and you're going to forget about it 30 seconds 
you know, after you drive by, you actually got the product in your hand, your clientele is already drinking it, getting immediate feedback. You get this in the hands of a bartender, you get this in the hands of the servers, of you know, the people that are gonna be pretty much your reps going forward. That's, that's where that kind of grassroots sort of firestorm starts coming through. And as a bartender, like they hand me this tequila, and I'm like, you know what? This is this is tasty, and yes, it's spicy. But all of a sudden, it opens up a whole new category of of cocktails, and now I can I can make all kinds of fun tequila cocktails in the winter that warm people up, or in the summer that refresh people but give them a little a little bit of spice at the same time. Like, these guys are so fun. They're so fun. They're great. They're wonderful people. Like, you really sort of believe in the character of the product as well as the quality of the product. And, you know, people don't expect it, but you go that little bit of an extra mile and it really means a lot to them. And then, like I said, they pay attention. And then the great thing is they have such a high-quality product. That'll follow through. I think the big one of the biggest problems that alcohol, especially in liquor brands, can have is they might have some of the best salespeople, for sure, like hottest funniest, whatever, but it, a lot of the products aren't that great, so at some point you can really only reach so far or get so far before you reach some kind of like a limit. With right. Ghost, like, they're special, it tastes great, it's simple, it's straightforward, it's exactly what it's supposed to be, it's affordable, and it's fun, and I, I don't really know if you can ask for more when it comes to liquor, so... Okay, Jenny, Liz, you guys spent the whole day and most of the night in Boston going around to bars with these guys. What do you think? I mean, Liz, you are a person who enjoys an alcoholic beverage on occasion. I do. Can can Ghost Tequila be the next fireball? There is no reason why it can't be that way. Just from following these guys around for an entire day and more so meeting the people that they associate with on a regular basis. It's the personal relationships that they are extending to bartenders and bar managers that I think are really pushing these places to, for instance, we tried Ghost Tequila as both a shot as well as mixed in cocktails. And I will say that on the the taste side of things, while it was a little different than anything I'd ever tasted before, it works really well in both cocktails and as a shot. In that regard, it can work in both the dive fun bars and the high-end cocktail bars. And Jenny, you write about alcohol. You know what the trends are. Why tequila? Is this the right time to be selling tequila? In a lot of ways, it is. Tequila has really seen huge growth over the past decade. It was the fastest growing spirit category from 2010 to 2015, other than cognac, which is a much smaller base. People are really into tequila and its cousin Mezcal, and it's just really fitting into the trends. It also fits into the trends of what people are eating. People like spicy food these days. So there's a lot going for Ghost in terms of what the market wants. But there's always risk to being a startup, right? There is always risk to being a startup, and there's extra risk in being in the tequila industry during this political administration. Donald Trump has said that He's going to back out of NAFTA. He said that he might impose tariffs on Mexican goods. And tequila, by nature, has to be made in a certain region of Mexico. It's like champagne. It is, exactly. And so those are real threats for a small company. I mean, if your product is all of a sudden going to have to be 20% more expensive, that's not a small thing even for a big company. So 
you know, on the one hand, the market is there, the demand is there from the consumer, but they're definitely facing some challenges if they're trying to get as big as Fireball. You know, we're so small, it's absolutely something we're worried about. If it, if it were to happen, we're not screwed. We've got good margins, um, but it, it'll definitely change the game. And it'll change the game for everybody. Um, I, I guess my thought process on that is that, yes, I'm really worried about it. If it happens, there's nothing I can do about it. And I, I'm hoping that, you know, the big guys are in there talking. Constellation and, and all these big guys are talking to lobbyists and saying, look, there is a little bit of job creation down in Mexico, but all the jobs this really creates are in America. I mean, the sales teams are are thousands of people where the, the guys making it, you know, it could be a hundred people. And I'm hoping they see that and they take it easy on the liquor industry. Plus, you know, we're, we're a volume business and they get $26 for every case we bring into the country. If they kill that volume, though, they're going to hurt the excise tax. And I guess, yeah, we're worried about it. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I think the argument's there, though, that if, if, if the liquor industry really pushes on them, they'll at least have an argument to potentially stay away from that. Liz, when I was in college, someone went around to my favorite bar giving out little samples of the new bottled draft Guinness. And I thought it was kind of weird, and then I drank it, and I didn't think it was weird anymore. But you were in this bar with these guys who were giving away shot after shot after shot to people who are just in a regular bar on a Thursday night. Do you think this technique works? It does. And I think that it works for Ghost Tequila because they set themselves apart from the typical shot girl that's walking around just passing out shots or or little samples. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this person probably couldn't give you the entire breakdown of how the tequila is made or what great cocktails it might go in or really add any sort of brand personality to the beverage. Whereas these guys, they've been involved with it from the beginning, you can tell just by following them around or even interacting with them for a short period of time that this is a passion project of theirs. And I think that that has shown from the bartenders, the owners, the chefs that we spoke to, that it makes a big difference when you're hawking a product. I mean, these guys, they, they really care and they, they really want to see it through. But also, I think that it comes down to creating an experience. I mean, we've talked many times on this show about how Young people in particular, millennials, are all about consuming things where they have an experience associated with it. And, you know, if your first interaction with a spirit is taking a free shot with your friends at a bar that was provided by this guy who actually co-founded the brand, that's a memory. You know, I don't know if these often inebriated people are really going to remember, you know, like what kind of agave was used or whatever. But they definitely are going to remember that experience of like, oh, this was this cool thing that I did with my friends. And now I'm going to remember the bottle and I'm going to remember the brand and maybe I'll go pick it up at the liquor store. All right, Jenny, 30 bars a night, 200 some odd nights a year. If Ghost Tequila really does become the next fireball, what's next? Richard and Chris have different ideas for where they want the brand to go, but they do have a pretty solid five-year plan. We started this knowing that the big boys are looking for acquisition targets. And so, you know, we have that five-year plan to build this to a certain case count and then you know, partner up with one of the big guys. And it, it may not necessarily be detaching and selling out completely. It might be where all of a sudden we have that muscle of a, a Beam or a Constellation or a Pernod 
to go and distributors and say, okay, we're a, we've made this a 200,000 case brand. Now we have your muscle, we can make this a million case brand. And, you know, that's kind of the goal. I don't, don't necessarily, I don't think Richard does either, want to run a large liquor company. I think the brand building part is the more fun and interesting thing. So we'd, we'd prefer to build this pipeline and, and maybe do another product after this. Yeah, I mean, similar to what I said about Fireball, the, I'm, a, I'm a creative. I'm not a business guy like Chris is. And the most important thing to me is those early stages of building the brand and creating the voice and, and building relationships. I get bored when it just becomes sales. You know, so once the brand is defined, it's like, okay, let's go do the next thing. What's the next thing we can build? I want to write the copy and build the website and create the merchandise for the next thing. Because Ghost is done. It's set in stone. Um, and so, you know, the difference, I think, or not the difference, but just something to add to what Chris is saying is, for me, it's about creating a lifestyle brand. I want to create something that's not just a liquor company. I want to see people wearing our merchandise and our clothing regardless of the, the, the liquor brand. I want to see it turn into, you know, a fashion company and a sketch comedy company. Like, we have this plan to create videos in like the style of college humor videos that have the product in them, but it's more about entertainment value. And if people watch these videos because they're funny, that's more important than we're trying to sell a product to them. So for me, it's, I want to create this lifestyle brand. I want to leave my mark on the industry where people say, these guys did something really cool and helped redefine the industry and everybody following them is going to take a page out of their book. So that's something that's really important to me. So keep your eyes out. Next time you see Ghost Tequila at your favorite bar or one of your friends tells you it's the must-get drink of the night, remember that you heard it here first. That's it for this episode of Material World. Thanks for listening. If you're craving more, check out past episodes and other Bloomberg podcasts like Game Plan on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Bloomberg.com, or wherever you listen to shows like this. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at LC Rupp and Jenny's at Jenny M. Kaplan. For more on Ghost, follow them at ghost underscore tequila. Material World is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. The head of Bloomberg Podcast is Alec McCabe. Special thanks to Liz for carrying our recording equipment and to these Boston bars, Warden Hall, Steffi's and Southie, Loco Taqueria and Oyster Bar, The Junction, Moonshine 152, Yvonne's, Whiskies and Merchant. We'll be back in two weeks. presentations where we go talk to the distributors at like 10 in the morning and everybody in the room tries it. I had a 7.30 a.m. breakfast the other day I had to do a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, there you go.